Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? Today, I am here with Mario Knopfel. Mario is the founder of the Athena Group of Companies, a business conglomerate that operates in more than 40 countries. Mario started his first business with $300 in the bank selling blenders door to door. Since then, he launched multiple ventures into the millions, all bootstrapped, including an event business, a fintech consulting firm, a marketing agency, and multiple e-com businesses, all while surviving a massive scam various black swan events, and all the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Today, we'll talk about business growth, personal branding, remote business, and lifestyle. So let's get into it. All right, Mario, I'm super excited for you to be on the show today. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me, Daniero. Not a problem at all. And, uh, you know, just I introduced you already, but because I ask every single one of my uh, guests to really break down a bit their life before they started their business journey, what were you doing before being an entrepreneur? To be honest, I don't know, man. It's been it's, it's, everything before entrepreneurship is blank. Um, um, probably just the entrepreneurship. I was in university. I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. But then I saw a video of a, of a boy. His name is Farah Gray. I actually met him on Clubhouse. He went to my, one of my rooms a few, about two months ago now. And I was reading his story, how he made his first million at age 14. And then from doing banking and finance at university in Australia to selling blend, no, water filters door to door. And it nice. completely shifted my life when I knew what entrepreneurship was. But before that, I was going down the cheesy traditional path. Yeah. So a uh, cheesy traditional path. You're talking about uh, like uh, like uh, working for, for someone else? College, job, and then, you know, making money yeah. in your 40s, making enough money to live comfortably, which is nothing wrong with it. But I'm saying it, I've got, so that's not a, che- a cheesy path, but my story is cheesy in terms of how I got into entrepreneurship. But university, saw something, you know, I started understanding what entrepreneurship was and jumped in head first, which is a pretty common story for some entrepreneurs. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you have any family members or anybody that you looked up to in your family that owned a business? Uh, because it seems like, like you, you weren't exposed to it until that point, right? No, I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. My mother was a salesperson, a really strong one. My father, just a job. My other family members, all of them just had a job. I don't know of any family member that started their own business. Yeah, I was in a very similar situation too, but it's, you know, with the internet and everything else, we're blessed because we can really like get exposed to anything we want. And, uh, and that's super cool. Listen, I wanted to ask you uh, about Clubhouse. I know this is the hot topic. It's been for quite a few months now, but I definitely 
definitely wanted to get, uh, you know, an inside look to it from someone that's been on it for, for a while and, and, and you're rocking it. So uh, how's Clubhouse treating you? Uh, who should be on Clubhouse? Why? How much time should people spend on it, really? Uh, because I know that it could become a rabbit hole for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, as a speaker, if you like someone who's leading a room and moderating, I would recommend to spend time on Clubhouse. Not as much now because it's a lot, you know, a lot of the hype has dropped, you know, the user base dropped by 80%. But when I was on Clubhouse, I used to have the biggest daily room when I spent a lot of time there. I would spend hours a day on Clubhouse and I would have 10,000 people listening to me a day, seven days a week. Uh, and my rooms is called the round table. Now I spend a lot more time on other platforms uh, on, uh, on, on Big Cloud, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook and on, on um, YouTube Live. But uh, Clubhouse is, is interesting if you're going to be speaking because it's getting an audience is not too difficult if you know how the algorithm works. Um, but as a listener, <laughs> I, I don't recommend it. I was saying the same thing while on Clubhouse because unless you're doing it for entertainment, but if you're doing it for learning, Clubhouse is not the best place to be. Very simple reason. Imagine you want to learn something. Let's say you want to learn how to do Twitter ads. You have to find a room that's talking about digital marketing and sit there for hours till you get the information you need instead of just Googling it and finding exactly what you need when you need it. Now, if you're looking for motivation, if you're looking for general advice, or especially if you're looking for entertainment, Clubhouse is great or just connecting with people. But I'm a, I'm a just-in-time learning type person where learning the right thing at the right time. And Clubhouse for me wasn't, I would never be a listener in that, on that platform at all. Never. I, never. I actually never went into a room and just listened ever. And I was one of the biggest, still I'm one of the biggest names on, on Clubhouse. That's very good. And, 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 you know, coming from someone that really has built uh, part of your brand uh, on the platform, it's really eye-opening. It reminds me of, uh, you know, people like uh, uh, Steve Jobs saying, you know, like, I, I don't want my, my, my son or daughter to, to have a phone in their pocket until they're like 15 or 18 years old. You know, like you don't want to like get high on your own supply, so to speak. Yes, yeah, so I'm a big, uh, I wanted to add one thing there. Like when someone who smokes tells you not to smoke, <laughs> not listening to them because saying, hey, hold on, you smoke. Why are you telling me not to smoke? Um, for me, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Because if someone smokes, they know the harm that smoking can cause them. And they're in the best place to say, hey, don't smoke. I'm the person that leads those big rooms, the biggest rooms in Clubhouse. I know how, how it works. And I tell people, listening to it for, for learning, for entrepreneurship, unless you're going, going for motivation or entertainment, it's not the best place. So um, what's the word when you tell someone to do, not to do something that you're doing? What was the word? I, I, for some reason, it slipped out of my mind. Well, you're, you're, like, you're talking about uh, being a hypocrite kind of thing. Hypocrite, yeah. Yeah, hypocrisy. I'm not against hypocrisy. If you tell someone not to do something you're doing because you know it's bad, you can still do that. If I'm, I'm leading a room on Clubhouse and I tell people, hey, Clubhouse is not the best place, again, for just-in-time learning, I'm the best person to say that instead of someone who doesn't even spend time on Clubhouse because I understand yeah. the platform. I love it. I love it. And it makes so much sense. And the fact that you're candid about it too, I mean, I have about 40-something thousand followers on Instagram and I always tell at least once a week my followers – Guys, don't spend too much time on social media. <laughs> I get those messages back to me too saying, you know, uh, why, why would you say that? And I'm like, well, if you only knew that 99% of the work that I do here is automated and delegated to someone else, you'd probably oh. take my advice for it. <laughs> I agree. But 
Um, listen, you, you talked about so many different things. You said it now you're on YouTube live and different things, but you're talking about BitCloud. I know that it's also something that's, you know, been coming up on my newsfeed as well. Uh, can you just let us know more about it? Um, because people that listen to this podcast don't really have a, a good idea of it. It's a pretty unique beast that has massive potential, massive potential to change the, the way social media works but it's also very different for lack of a better term now what do i mean by mm -hmm. this let me explain to you what big cloud is you don't have to be in crypto to go into big cloud big cloud is a different form of social media it's a decentralized form of social media what does that mean well not one entity can block your account or, or censor what you're saying or own your data it is decentralized everyone could everyone could play a role in mm. deciding what posts are not shown, what accounts are suspended, what accounts are, are blacklisted. That's the concept of BitCloud. But the more interesting concept and what's sucking people in is the fact that you can bet on your favorite people that you think will grow. I'm one of the <laughs> two accounts on there. Both my accounts combined, I'm number 11 on the entire platform. So a lot of people believe I'm growing as a person and I give a lot of value on the platform. But instead of going on Twitter where you give value, give value, you know, people have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers, but they can't even pay the bills. It's not common if they monetize it, but it, they, these cases exist. On BitCloud, you can actually pay, you can buy shares in people. It's like a stock market for influencers. There's a, mm. it's not, there's a dark side to it as well. Some people, I was speaking to a gentleman, his name is Daniel Priestley, someone I've got massive respect for. And he told me something. He said, what, what BitCloud does, is it mixes money with friendships and relationships, and that could end up toxic. So it's such a new ecosystem that has pros and cons. It's getting a lot of hype. The platform is booming. I'm putting a lot of time into it. I'm putting a lot of money into it, seven figures, potentially eight, into the platform. Um, but again, it could come down crashing, but it could literally change the social media, um, the social media platforms we know today. And, and why do I say this? Well, I'll, I'll finish it with this. Clubhouse was a feature. When people would ask me, and I still ask me to this day, will Clubhouse last? I say, I don't know. They could. They could have their own little community or they can end up like Periscope or, or Vine. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know because for Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or LinkedIn to copy Clubhouse, it's very easy. Already Discord has a copy. Telegram has a copy. Twitter Spaces is a copy by Twitter. Facebook Audio Rooms. Snapchat. Snapchat, I, I, I didn't know they're doing audio rooms. So it's really easy to copy the concept of Clubhouse. BitCloud is changing the entire ecosystem. It's like a decentralized form of OnlyFans where monetization and buying stocks in people is a priority. There's a few platforms doing it. BitCloud is the one gaining the most traction. So because it's such a fundamental shift in the way social media platforms are run and are utilized, Copying them is really difficult. Innovators' dilemma at its worst. So it's really hard to imagine Facebook going decentralized and then putting the concept of buying shares into people as their, their main, uh, the, the, the way they operate as a, as a platform. That's really hard to imagine and really difficult for them to do, which makes BitCloud that interesting. And plus you got some of the smartest VCs and investors behind it. So all these together make it really intriguing and something I'm spending a lot of time on. I've got a team of, over 10 people working with me on BitCloud at the moment.
that's super interesting. I just wanted to ask you a question about buying shares and other influencers, so to speak. Um, what is the value of me buying part, let's say, of, of your account? Or like, again, I'm sorry if I'm not really using no, the right question. terminology, but... No, um, you said it absolutely right. It's a, a great question, man. So uh, if you buy shares only for the sake of, hey, Jake Paul just won against Ben Askren or whatever his name is, that means his value is going to go up. That's not going to last. That's just people predicting on the stock market, just like predicting on who's going to become the next yeah. president or who's going to win a fight. The real value on Bitcoin, the reason my account is growing and there's people even bigger than me on the platform, the reason that, that they're bigger than, let's say, if you put me, I'm, I'm, I'm higher than Donald Trump, which has a, lot, a big following. I'm higher than, than um, <laughs> I, I, most of the celebrities out there. Um, not because I'm more popular, but because my focus is on bringing value to the people that invest in me. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, if you're one of my top 10 investors, you get access to my holding company um, and, and get dividends from it. We actually have a form of dividends from other oh, okay. If you hold that coin, you actually get dividends from the profit that company makes. So we're talking about value investing here, not trading. There's both. That's for my business coin. You invest and you get a, a, a return in dividends. The APY is really high. The return is really high. So it makes, a it makes financial sense to invest in that coin. My other coin, which is my Mario Norfolk coin, my personal coin, the value you get being a top 10 investor beyond having access to me, being in my private groups, uh, being in my calls, jumping on calls all the time, having that personal relationship. Like today, I, interview I invested um, $50,000 in a gentleman. His name was... Um, I don't want to butcher it, but it's Moshe and God, Moshe. And uh, Moshe is a very influential people. He owns a football team in Israel. He owns, he's a, a chairman of, of, a, of a big cloud, of, sorry, Bitcoin foundation. He's very influential in the crypto space. I put in $50,000 because I want to have access to someone like him. But more importantly, he's bringing a lot of value to the platform. So he's doing the same thing as me. He has a private group he's creating on the platform that have access to a lot of things that other people don't. So everyone wants to become his top 10 investor and they outbid each other. So that's, mm -hmm. there's incentives to allow people, just like OnlyFans, you pay more, you get a, a picture of her being topless. You get, they pay more completely naked. You pay more, you know, your imagination kicks in. So it's the yeah. same thing with BitCloud. With my personal brand, you get more access, more perks, access to our tools. We have a lot of tools on BitCloud. My business coin, which is called um, BitCloud Holdings, you get access to the dividends, and as more, we make more profits and we partner with more companies, you make more money that way. And then my third coin, which is launching next week, and that's my last coin, it's a fund. It's an actual fund that's raising capital on BitCloud and that will be investing in BitCloud projects. And owning a coin in that also allows you for dividends from that coin. So it's expanding well beyond owning pieces of people. It's actually owning, you can have businesses on there and there's more businesses being built on that blockchain. Um, and the, the platform itself is more like Twitter. So it's just a copycat of Twitter, but that's the first platform they're building on there. They're going to build a copycat of Substack, a copycat of Instagram, all of it with the same concept. Um, okay. Investing in people and being decentralized. It makes sense. And, you know, it seems to me that what you're talking about right now, it does have a bit more of a barrier to entry when it comes to building your brand online, because like you said, you actually have to bring value. You can't just post a selfie and get people to invest in, you know, your new outfit, so to speak. You have to go out there and uh, and be a maven, bringing in uh, really good value, and then people can invest, uh, will invest in you. Is that correct? Exactly. It's different types of value. Like on Twitter, it's posting interesting content. On BitCloud, 
what I'm seeing, and, and the platform is evolving, it's brand new. People are just posting interesting content. It's cool they get a small investment. The people getting the big money are the people that are, that are you know, there's a guy called Craig. He's doing um, calls with his top investors, with people, like, with celebrities like Paris Hilton or, or some leaders in the crypto space or in the business space. He, he had Jake, uh, Jake Paul join his call last week. So he's bringing very powerful names into his weekly calls. So it's taking it a step further because now you can segment your audience, my top 10 investors, my top 20 investors, and then my top 30 and then the rest of them. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the general content for basic followers. So now you have got different segments, a follower, a top 100 investor, a top 50 investor, top 30, 20, 10, top three investors. So there's that type of segmentation that's there. And then you can, you can segment the value you offer based on the, the tiers of the investors. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting world, man. It seems to me that you're always ahead of the curve. You were, you know, one of the pioneers or at least one of the first people on Clubhouse now on, on BigCloud. I uh, just wanted to ask you a question that's more related to what we do here at the Remote CEO, which is building a business while still having fun and traveling the world. You told me before the call where you were and where you're planning on going. Let's get our listeners a bit jealous about your lifestyle. So wh- wh- what have you been doing in the past few months and what are you planning on doing in the next few months? In the last month, I've been in three different con- four different countries. Uh, and that's in the last month, month and a half. So I've, I'm used to traveling all the time. Now, there's no need to get jealous because I, I don't do any tourism. I don't do anything like that. I only do two things in my life. And that's work. And dance. So I'm a bachata dancer. I dance bachata around the world, which is essential. Wow, awesome. <laughs> and I go to festivals. So um, I travel a lot because of that. And I live in a, <laughs> that, that probably will get some people jealous. So I usually rent big villas in different countries. Um, Turkey was the last one. Uh, it was on the beach in our nine bedroom villa. And we had all our team worked out, bring all the best growth hackers. And we worked there. We built a business called We Are Growth Hackers, which is a growth hacking agency. I built that last year during COVID in Turkey. I rented another big place now from Turkey to Lebanon. I rented like a big castle, literally looks like a castle. And there's about 10 people working there. And we call it the BitCloud Castle. And then the next country we're going to is Colombia, uh, which I'll do something similar. So I do have a life where I, I run my companies. I've been running them for, for years that way, just off my phone and laptop. Um, and it, it's not really too hard anymore with the... Uh, all the tools you have available and COVID just made it even easier now. For sure. And let me ask you, staying in the remote work topic, what do you find is one of the biggest challenges uh, of running a business that's fully remote? Is it building a, uh, you know, a good corporate culture, but, you know, go ahead and, and, you know, let me know what you think. Trust. Um, Okay. Not being physically next to someone makes it hard. It's just missing something. When I bring someone and they're next to me, it builds that trust and that relationship with people. I'll give you an example of a gentleman called MK. MK, I can call him a friend now. He's been working with us for a year. And when he was working with us in the villa in Turkey, he was really productive, built a great relationship, and we had great plans. Then when we moved from Turkey to Lebanon, he couldn't get in because of visa issues. We're still trying to bring him in, so maybe in in a few weeks. And he went back to his home country. And productivity collapsed, motivation collapsed because he, he doesn't have that environment around him. And as soon as he comes here, I'm, I'm going to meet him in Turkey at, at a festival in a couple of weeks. But as soon as he comes back, 
to the castle of Villa, whether in Lebanon or Colombia, I know motivation, productivity will increase again. So in some cases, not for everyone, um, working physically next to someone does develop trust, does develop that personal relationship, which goes a long way in productivity um, and, and long-term retention. Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. So let me ask you another question. Uh, of course, you build a very successful, several very successful businesses uh, with this format. So definitely the upsides are more than the downsides. So what do you do to manage this expectation of, uh, of productivity and trust and make the best of it with your team members, even when they're remote? I used to run regular calls with the team. Now I don't have the time. I, I just have too many businesses. But I used to run regular calls where I update everyone. I send out regular broadcasts, but I'm playing less and less and less of a role in managing my companies. And many team members, I speak to them maybe once every few months or, or if at all. So it, what it used to be, right now it's in increasing the level of communication, organizing more calls, even though if they're short calls. There's also interesting apps that I haven't tried them, but I should probably, I'm going to check it out after this call, after this interview. And, and they're apps where you can actually just open up a room pretty much like Clubhouse, but it's just your team sitting there and not talking to each other, just hear each other work and that's it. And it creates mm. a sense of presence. That I, I yes. Because I remember my business partner, Bob's, I would sometimes have a call with him and we'll both be working without actually speaking to each other, but just be on the call. And it, yeah. it just increases productivity by that little bit and makes, makes you feel better. But it, it also varies per person and understanding different people and what their requirements are allows you to better manage them. Some people, I don't need to speak to them. They're very independent. Uh, Andrea, one of my managers, she doesn't need to speak to me. She has her own little cocoon. We've been working together for seven, eight years and she's very independent. Another person, MK, needs that physical presence and trust and relationship built. So it's also about understanding Maybe you could run personality tests for your team members to understand them and what works for them, what doesn't. And then you could double down on what works. Awesome, man. Listen, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm, you know, I wanted to ask you one last question. And, you know, what are you currently working on that, uh, to get us all excited about having you back on the show and then the future? Um, but I'll, I'll try to always answer things by giving value to the audience. So my way to answer this is for anyone in B2B, learn growth hacking. I don't even sell courses. I have an agency called We Are Growth Hackers, but I'm not telling you to use our agency. I'm telling you to learn it and just go growth hacking bootcamp on Google. And I'm sure you'll find things there. And there's a bootcamp that we usually hire a lot of people from. But I think this is one of the best things you could do because everyone does Facebook marketing, influencer marketing, um, native Google um, affiliate marketing, but no one talks about growth hacking. So that's been something I'm very passionate about because it gave me an incredible edge in all my companies, especially B2B. So learn growth hacking or hire growth hackers, really good skill. Number two is BitCloud. Dip your toes into it. Number three, Google Bill Gross, G-R-O-S-S, -S, TED. Bill Gross has an incredible video, an incredible TED video. It's about six, seven minutes long. It talks about the importance of timing in business, not team, not business plan, not how much money you raised, not the ID, timing as the most important commonality across successful businesses. Yeah. Watch that video. It could literally change the way you approach business and your business ideas, especially if you're building a new business or starting out. 
All right, Mario, that's super cool. Thanks a lot for all these amazing golden nuggets that you left me and my listeners. Before we go, of course, all my listeners will want to find out more about you and your company. So where can people find you online? So I have a pretty unique name. So if you Google it, I'll come up. Mario Norfolk, N for Nelly, A, W for Whiskey, F for Fred, A, L for Larry, Mario Norfolk. And just Google me and, and you'll find everything about me. If you want to join my communities, I don't have a course or anything. I just support people. Just message me anyway. Say, hey, I want to join your community. And you're in. Awesome. Mario, again, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to having you back on my show in the future. All right, man. I appreciate it. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And I will talk to you again soon.